Welcome to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. My sobriety date is January 27th, 1999 and I created this podcast simply to share the message of the big book. It completely changed my life. It always changes my life and I hope it can help change yours. Hi, this is Carly Recovered Alcoholic. Welcome to North Star Big Book. I am super excited for today's guest. I'm doing a series where I get to interview people now because of this pandemic all over the world. And I get to have people who have been in my sobriety, who I respect and who love the big book. And today's guest, will you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is David Cherney. And I am a defeated social drinker, formerly of Cleveland, currently in San Diego, California. Welcome. Will you tell our listeners your sobriety date? My sobriety date is May 11th of 1980. So for you guys who can't add, how many years do you have? I'm well into my 41st year. And he was 15 when he got sober. So God willing, if I keep doing this work and I don't die... I get to say I'm 40 years sober when I'm your age. I want to, before we get started, I want the listeners, I'm, everyone knows I'm full disclosure. I want you to know, I don't know if you know this, you might probably do because you're smart. So Dave, who I'm going to make tell stories to us today, was one of the first people in person in AA when I got sober who had a light on that drew me to him that I could see it was more than just about staying sober. And when he talked about sobriety and what sobriety has done for him, particularly the steps in our book, it blew me away. And because I was starting to get better, I like was attracted to you, like as a girl and a boy. And I think that what you did for me was probably one of the most important lessons I've learned in AA because I don't date people in AA is you, whether you knew it or not, knew to not go near me because I think you saw that I was at this crossroad where I was going to just keep doing the same thing or I was going to go on this path and get better. And it says a lot about me that I was attracted to someone like you because you were sane and healthy. (laughs) And it says a lot about you, whether you knew it or not, that you didn't pick up on any of my things. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I think that I do. I think that, um, that, that it was just a, uh, uh, the right place at the right time, Carly, because had I been a little less sober, who knows what would have happened? Yes. And you could have been one of my horrible amends that I messed up improperly. There you go. Okay, so let's get into the book. (laughs) Tell me what pages we're doing and why. We're just going to read a little bit of the book. um, Because when it comes to picking what I think is my favorite or most important, I pick um, the the sixth and seventh prayer, seventh step, um, and page 75 and 76. And that's for a big reason. Um, because I think that I've learned over the years that it's really easy uh, and and quite quite ordinary for me to screw things up if I'm in charge. And that includes helping others. That includes making amends. That includes doing all of the things that I have to do in order to stay sober. Um, So to me, there's nothing more important than complete trust in God as I understand God. And that seven-step prayer is where that all comes from. So the process that got me to that prayer is 
really important, but the catapult, the thing that, that gives me the opportunity um, and gives AA the opportunity to work is that seventh step prayer. Do you know, do you remember where you were in your sobriety, how much time you had when you first came to this place? Um, it was it was well after I did the seventh step prayer initially, although I saw the importance um, right after I did the fifth step. Um, it wasn't until after screwing things up for an awful long time that I uh, put two and two together that, that what matters is me knowing that the right thing is going to happen, that God has all of me, the good and the bad. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I know because I did the seventh step prayer, I was really hung up on now I have to know. Now I have to do the right thing. Now I, everything's going to be right because I did this. And that's not at all what it means anymore, you know. You that haven't was, had days of perfection? Well, no. <laughs> Man, maybe. No, no. I love to think I have. But it's, it's, I love not having to worry about all that too. You know, yeah. I love, I love, 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 love sarcasm. It's yeah. the best thing ever. Um, and it's certainly a defect, right? Um, but it's, I know that if sarcasm is in the way of me being of service to God, it's not going to be there. It's yeah. just not going to be there. I believe uh, that there are times when sarcasm is probably really good way to be of maximum service to God. And Especially with new people. There. Like with new people, because they really, because they're waiting for us to be like, like church going, like perfect humans mm -hmm. that are like, you must be perfect. And when they hear us, I mean, that's the way I communicate the best with new people is my sarcasm, because I tell them like, please don't call me. Like, you know, like, be, like they, they like that kind of, or when my sponsor is not sending me inventories, I'm like, can I have your new sponsor's name so I can like send all of your paperwork you know what i mean so they do they, that's like how we get to the truth with that's my experience yeah i think that that you know just the example of knowing the right thing's going to happen is is a confidence that i was never able, able to live without um live the same without knowing right so before before that i, I knew that that i turn myself over to God. I wanted all my defects of character to be removed. I was making amends. I was doing all the stuff. And, and the incident that, that, that made it happen, I can't tell you the truth, but over the years, just the, the, the evolution of me being sober pointed me to the realization, you know, it's always hindsight that left to my own devices, things will usually go sideways. So why, what is the control in there that's not me? What is the metric that I can look at and see how things are going and, and what the difference results are? And it's always been when I'm at one with God, when, I'm, when I trust that the right thing is gonna happen, mm -hmm. I'm outside of myself and have a chance to do the right thing. For me, so, I think the principles of six and seven that you're about to talk us through have really come alive in 10 and 11 for me because it's only through daily practicing and like in the morning when it says on the bottom of 86 that like when I don't know what to do, I need to ask God and, and wait and not rush. And like this has become a new tool for me. It's just kind of embarrassing to say like, I don't know what I want to do and I'm not going to make a decision right now. 
That's the beauty, right? That's the whole thing. So, so my sponsor took me through the steps and this is always what I think about. I talk about it all the time and I think about it all the time and I take people through the steps like this all the time. So, so it just became embedded in me and, and all of a sudden the process made sense, right? It, it, I, I was angry and I was, I hated everybody and everyone said, turn it over, do the third step, turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? What does this mean? So, so I, I asked my sponsor and he said, there's three frogs on a log and they decide to jump off. How many are left? And I said, I'm good at math. There's none left. They all jumped <laughs> off the log. And he said, no, you moron. They're all three left because all they did was make a decision. And, uh, and that's what the third step asked me to do, to make a decision, to turn it over. And, you know, a decision without action is kind of useless, kind of silly, right? Um, so, so I made that decision to turn it over in the third step. I did a fourth step to find out what it was. And maybe that was the first time in my life I was ever so honest with myself. Uh, then, I, then I did a fifth step where I shared it with my sponsor and with God. How did you uh, feel after your five? Did you feel what they say that you can look the world in the eye, you could be alone in perfect peace and ease? Because I felt nah, nauseous. Nah, I, 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 I didn't feel nauseous. I didn't feel at peace with the world. I felt maybe a little weight off of my back. I had certainly shared some secrets that I thought were, were, were going to end my life. And, uh, and, and to have that weight off of my, my back was pretty nice. But no, I didn't feel great. Uh, I, I felt like I knew what it was. And my sponsor said, go home, take an hour, really think about what you have done, the decision that you made in the third step, what you found, the, what you found out about in the fourth step, what you shared with me in the fifth step. Re, reaffirm that decision. And then once you do that, do the seventh step and turn it over. Turn right. it over. Because that, you know, in, in the old books, it said the step that separates the men from the boys, right? Yeah, and the raisin from the grapes. That's right. And, and there, there you go. And, uh, and, and that's because without it, I can't do anything except not drink. I never really realized until you just explained it, that all of the work we do from one through six is just meaningless. If you don't go to seven and then keep going, it's just information like, okay, now I just did that. I told one person and God, I could literally die or drink from this point on if I don't do the rest of the work. Yeah. And yeah. this is really, I see why for the first time ever, why this step right here is a separation. So it's, let's go. That's it. Yeah. It makes, uh, I, all I could do without this step is not drink. What page you know? are we on? Not drinking, going to Page 75. Okay. Uh, we, uh, I'm not going to read the fifth step, but we pocket our pride. We do the, we do the, the fifth step. Returning home. We find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully re re reading the first five proposals, we ask if we had omitted anything for where we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put in the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? If we can answer to our satisfaction, then Wait, we so look pause for a second. So you do that hour, the book tells us very specifically, go do this hour. After you did your fifth step, find out what it was. 
you sit down. I always share with the women I work with, and it's not mandatory. It's just something that works for me. I like to write it out, like in my journal, because I'm like a writer. So like I have to get out what's in my what I just experienced. Mm-hmm. And then after that hour, after looking at all, then I go to step six. All right. <clears throat> if we can answer to our satisfaction, then we look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. We are now ready to let God remove all of from all of us for i'm sorry i'm out of my glasses help god remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable can we pause can you tell me in your own words what objectionable means to you i think in the simplest term the character defects the things that i just figured out that i do repeatedly to hurt myself or others or or take advantage of things or others or work frankly that are impure, dishonest, selfish, and unloving. Can you now? I'm finding it. Can we, again, I, my glasses are lost, Carly. I lost Babe, them somewhere yesterday. <laughs> I lost them yesterday, and I have an old pair, and they're, they suck. They're not progressives. So Do you I need me to read them. them for you? No, I got it. Okay. Can, can he now take them all, every one, if we... St- still cling to something we will not let go we ask god to help us be willing you know praying for the willingness to be willing is something that's an important thing and an easy step um you have a step six story for us i i sort of do you know um it was it was a, a separation around this time um between the time that i did my fifth step and the time that i did you know my seventh step prayer um, or, or I was doing my four step. It was sort of the first time that I put this God of my understanding into action, right? It was, it was before uh, my sponsor said, just, just use my higher power. And I would seriously be on my knees at night, say, dear, whatever keeps Bill sober, help me feel better. That was my prayer. That's what I wanted. And that's all that was going on. And that was something, right? It, it molded into a lot more. Um, due to a poem that I saw on my home group wall. And that poem, you know, it was like uh, this, this beautiful description of, of something greater than me. Uh, and, and, and this was the first time that I was ever using that instead of dear, whatever keeps Bill sober. So, so thinking of, thinking of that, I, I, I re- really asked, I was like, Please let me be willing. Let me have the willingness to do this and move forward and understand that, that what I'm doing and turning it all over. So it's, it's not a story other than it was an opportunity for me to kind of move away from dear whatever keeps Bill sober. Do you know my server plate story about step six? No. Can I share? Yeah. Okay. So I was a restaurant server for like six years and I was good at it. And if you can picture, were you in Cleveland when Fire was there at Shaker Square? I was. Okay, they're just closing. I'm so sad. Um, I just so saw that. Best, best boss of my life, Doug, was amazing. And um, I made great money there because if you were good at what you did and you knew how to run the room and uh, please people and make them happy and take care of everything, awesome. I think of God as like a really good server. And I picture myself at a two-top with like the butcher block table and I know as a really good server that I don't have to having a conversation with the people I'm helping. I can just look out of the corner of my eye 
and they do a couple things. What do people do in the world when they're done eating? Like, what are some of like the gold standard? What do you do when you're at a restaurant? And you want your person to take away your plate? What do you do? Hold on, I lost you. I put the knife and fork across the plate. Okay. So you put your silverware down, you push oh. your plate ahead or your napkin, right? Yep. That's a clear indication. If you were eating off of your plate, would you be mad of your server to take it away? I would be, I would be questioning that action. Right. Exactly. If you had your silver and you were touching it, right? So God is like a good server and God's not going to walk by our table while we're saying, I want you to take this away while we're still eating off of it. And so I say to my girls that God's like a good server and we have to show God when we're ready to let something go. So my, the way I always shared with them was like when I used to chase after new boys in AA with tattoos and naughty boys that were just bad. The way that I finally got rid of that was instead of not going after new boys, I was focusing on new girls and helping them with big book and steps. And while I was busy doing that, not touching the other plate, God's like, oh, she's done. And so one of the questions I always think is, how do I show God I'm ready? That's brilliant. That's a really good like? a, 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 a story after my heart, Carly, I because do. stupid stories <laughs> are, are how I roll. And Me they, too. They, I, I have to paint myself into a corner. It's the only way it works. I'm going to shut this door because this annoying weed whacker behind me. <laughs> Give me six seconds. Go for it. He's a jackhammer before. I'm knocking down a kitchen wall right now by myself. It's very exciting. Um, so back to step seven. Take us through your favorite tool prayer. That I say every day, multiple so times. Do you say it like when you need it or do you just say it like rote in the morning? I, I say it in the morning no matter what, no matter how. I say it in the evening no matter what, no matter how. And and throughout the day when, whenever I'm wondering if what the right thing to do is, I, I say a, a, at least a uh, Reader's Digest condensed version of- What's of your Reader's Digest condensed version? God, let me do the right thing. Yeah. Let the right thing happen. I just am kind of like the place where like, I've seen enough evidence that like when I try to run the show, it's exhausting and I make mm -hmm. a mess. I'm just like, God, can we just cut to the chase? Like, give me like, you know, like when you get a URL and you can copy like a shorter link. Yeah. I want the shorter link of <laughs> God tell me what to do. <laughs> There you go. And sometimes God's like, Carly, just be uncomfortable. Yeah, um, let the right thing happen, you know, and then I know it's gonna. I really, really, really know that it's going to. And and uh, and if I stay out of my head, everything turns out the right way. So take us through. When ready. When ready, we say something like this. See, I don't need glasses for this. Yes. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. It, it was cheating. It was when I was looking at my, my fifth step and when I was reading the sixth step after my fifth step that I first time realized that the seventh step prayer didn't mean that I was going to be perfect, hmm. which well, was a little disappointing. You know? Were you afraid? Were you afraid like most of us? Like, oh my God, what if God takes everything and I'm just like this boring person? Yeah, of course. That, that was the whole thing, right? That was, that was the thing. But, but seeing that sort of set me free. It was like, hey, I get to keep all of that. Just when it's time, it won't be there. And by keep it, I don't mean I get to continue to lie and cheat and steal. It means that I continue, I, I need to 
continue to do the right thing as I think about it, but know that the right thing is going to happen that God thinks about it if I continue to keep that trust. You know the 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 tightrope guy on Niagara Falls, right? The, the, that was the story. Faith, it's one of my favorite. The, the trust and faith, and 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 that's the thing. You know, every every kid has has faith that everything is going to be good, and and when the thunder roars, they they run and grab their mom's leg, and everything is super, um, or or, or going to be okay. And and there's another stupid story that changed my life, right? A guy runs a tightrope across Niagara Falls and he's walking across it with a wheelbarrow. And he's got this wheelbarrow with one wheel and, and he's going and he's walking and crowds gathering down at the bottom and and, uh, and wondering what's going on and they're looking and, and he's walking across. Everyone's terrified and with anticipation and, and he, he sort of loses his balance a little and he's wobbling and people downstairs are turning their heads and gasping and freaking out and there's a guy at the other end tapping his foot saying yeah he's got his arms crossed he's just tapping his foot saying he's got it he's got it i got faith no worries and then he recovers and the crowd down at the bottom roars and screams and hollers and it's great and they start watching again and he's going and he's a almost there and he starts to lose his balance again and the people gasp and turn their heads and the guy at the other end with his arms crossed just keeps tapping his foot he's got it i got faith no problem uh and and he recovers the people cheer and holler and they're so excited finally makes it across and the loudest roar you ever heard from the people down at the bottom on the u.s side and the canada side they're screaming and hollering and everyone's so excited and the guy who was there just tapping his foot with his arm crossed, didn't even flinch. He's like, I, I knew you were going to make it. I have faith. And, uh, <laughs> and, and the trust comes in when the guy turns around and the wheelbarrow and says, hop in and I'll take you back. <laughs> you know, that's the difference. That's the seventh step. That's what I'm building in this process. That's what I'm confirming in the sixth step. And that's what I'm giving God is the ability, the trust to know that the right thing is going to happen. And to me, I, I've said it already in this meeting, in this conversation, Carly, it's the only thing that keeps AA going is that people have that trust that the right thing is going to happen because it's the only way. We, you know, I talk about it all the time. What keeps me sober? And I don't know the answer. You know, I, oftentimes it's that I don't want Chris to have more sobriety than me, right? <laughs> That's really why I don't drink. So, so like, like left to my own devices, things aren't going to go right. Um, trusting God and knowing that, that the right thing is going to happen gives me a chance to succeed at AA, to be more than sober, to be happy, to be joyous, to be free, to get the promises, to be able to make amends for, to, to people that I had harmed, to be able to see my side of the street and my responsibility in any given situation, to be able to take off blinders and see everyone's priorities or, or, or perspectives because that's really what, what the whole thing is. It's all true because someone thinks it is. So who am I? I, I just have to try to do the right thing. It's one of my favorite stories. My eyes were welling up with tears when you were telling it. I, I always have known that story and two things. One, I never realized it, but we do that essentially when we take someone through the steps, we say to them, get in the barrel with me because they have never done it. And to them, what we're asking them to do is crossing Niagara Falls on a tightrope. That's it. And imagine, Carly, if you hadn't done this seven-step prayer and, and don't live this seven-step prayer, what are you going to do? 
I mean, there is no chance of that working out right. Right. You know, you're trying and to think of. I don't want to get in the barrel with anyone that doesn't actually know how to do it. Yeah, you're trying to think of what's right for this person and how in the hell are you supposed to know or how am I supposed to know what's right for somebody that's not me? I don't even know what's right for me. I know, which is why I only guide them back to the book and the steps and God because I don't know the hell's right for you, especially with relationships. I will never tell someone what to do. That's the worst <laughs> possible. The other thing I want to tell you is, and I know you can definitely relate, is I've always known that story in sobriety. I've loved stories just like you. And I actually put that story in my memoir that's coming out because it was so meaningful to me. And what I found is that the universe asks us to get in the barrel. If you stay sober long enough, you're asked by the universe multiple times, get in the barrel. And for me, I it was a life-changing moment for me with my son was having to get in that barrel with God and saying, I trust you. And, and when I went to God at that time and I didn't, I was terrified and our relationship completely changed eventually for the better. I remember getting on my knees crying in like one of those personal family bathrooms in the hospital after one of my son's procedures and crying in embarrassment to God to say that I didn't trust you while I was in the wheelbarrow, even though I went in with you. I went in the barrel, but I didn't trust <laughs> God while I was in it. And I felt so bad in our relationship to say to God, I didn't trust, I don't even, I think I've ever told anyone that. I felt so bad to admit to God while I was in the barrel, I didn't trust you. And God was like, I love you. I don't care. God like, knew. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Right. Before I let you go, will you tell the, uh, aquar the fish tank story? Sure. And then you could be free. Oh boy. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, it's it's back to perspective because I think that another thing that I've learned in 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 growing sober is that, like I said a minute ago, perspective is everything, right? Someone's perspective is someone's truth. Uh, there was a time that that policemen and principals and teachers and parents told me that if I just quit drinking, everything will, I'll feel better, and uh, and often when they told me that, I was as sober as I am right now. Uh, um, and, and my thought immediately would be, if you knew how I felt right now, you would know how stupid what you're saying is. And it was just ridiculous talk to think of me not drinking. Um, like, I, I mean, really, that, I, I can't stress that enough that, that I knew, and I was right with what I knew, that not drinking wasn't an option. I had to feel better, and it was my only hope. Um, so, so thinking of... of perspectives and what's going on if I can be aware that uh, my perspective is all I have and everyone else you know has their own too and sometimes they align and that's terrific um, but a lot of times they don't and for me to think one thing's right over another is sort of selfish right or, or it's going to put me in a bad place at the worst it's going to make me think bad things impure things or, or, or judgment which that's a bad idea so so um you know, in all of these stories that happened to me uh, in, in my life, in particular this one, it, this particular one, I think that I got a little bit right when it happened, but most of the time there are things that I reflect on years later and I'm like, whoa, and, and a light bulb goes off. This one is one of the few that I think really from the moment it happened, it, it hit me and I got it. Um, I lived in, in Minneapolis and I was moving from one place to another. And the places weren't far apart. Um, they were about six miles apart and, and, um, I was moving with a guy and he had a gigantic, I don't know how big 60 gallon fish tank. It was huge. 
big, maybe a hundred gallons. I don't have any idea of the, that volume concept, <laughs> but it was big. And, uh, and he loved that thing. He took care of it every day. He was cleaning the sides and scrubbing the rocks and like using tweezers to feed some crazy crabs that weren't in there. He loved everything in that fish tank. Um, it was saltwater tank and we were moving we had to move the tank and, and he didn't have a car um, or, or uh, yeah he didn't have a car but he had another truck that was loaded all the way and he wanted to get the fish tank over so we put it in my car which was our first <laughs> mistake right and my car was a, a Datsun 280ZX. I just picture you guys like carrying that like how was that that must have been horrible. Just it was crazy he, he dumped about he dumped about half the water out and uh, a little less than that and we brought it into this car that really had no back seat. It had like a hump and then it was like a W. That's what the back seat looked like. So we put some books on the seats and, and then draw, push, put the fish tank in and, uh, and, and I was parallel parked on the street and I put my car in first gear and I started to weave out a tray, you know, pull out of my parking spot. And as soon as I let the gas go, put some gas on and let the clutch out, the fish tank like tipped. I was like, oh, God, it gave me a heart attack. Like, I'm freaking out. There's water on the little corner window, and, uh, and I, I don't even know what to do. So I, I stop. I regroup. I totally ride my clutch and, and, and deliberately let the gas and clutch blend together so that I'm, like, rolling down the road, riding the clutch and pull out. I, there's Minnesota in the winter, there's potholes and <laughs> I'm really deliberately driving around all of them. And, uh, and it's sort of rush hour time. So traffic's coming fast and furious the other way. Um, but my lane's pretty busy and people are pissed. They're honking and screaming <laughs> at me. And when they do find a way, there's an extra lane or something, they're roll, rolling their fist at me and flipping me off. And I'm like, wait a minute, don't you see? I got a fish tank back here. You know, I'm just driving like really scared and the pressure from all the other drivers and thinking uh. of what Daryl's going to do is really, really tough. Um, and I got to the other place and Daryl was there tapping his foot, <laughs> maybe like that guy in the wheelbarrow story. Um, but he, he, he immediately opened the door and we got the fish tank out and he measured the water and put it back. And, um, a little time went by and I'm like, Hey, I got time to go get another load. I'm going to try to grab another load before a meeting. And, uh, and I jump in my car and I remember I don't have a fish tank in it. So I throw it in first gear and I skid the tires and I start driving like a maniac cause I could, it's so exciting. All the stress is off. I could just drive and drive and it's awesome. Drive fast and make sharp turns. Um, and I was celebrating that I could do that again. And I'm flying down a road and it's, you know, a lot of traffic and I see a car in front of me with its hazards on and a flag, like a ladder in the back or something. And, uh, and it's way up there. It's way up the road. So I'm like, keep looking for opportunities to pass. I'm waiting in the other, not crazy traffic anymore, but traffic. So I'm like, okay, I got to get there. I got to time this just right. And, and as I get closer and closer and closer, there's a ton of cars coming the other way and I feel myself getting hot. I'm getting angry. And, uh, and, and I want to just want to drive. I want to hurry up. I want to get this load. I want to celebrate driving. I want to get to a meeting. I want all this stuff to happen just right. And I'm getting angry and I'm getting angry and I'm getting closer to this car and there's no opportunity for me to, 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 to pass him. And I'm just about to hit the horn to get him to speed up because he's going slow, man. And I'm getting ready and I'm start. My hand is in the air to hit the horn and it hits me. Maybe that guy's got a fish tank in the back seat of his car. 
and uh and and that's perspective right that to me from that day to this day i don't get angry when i drive because from you experienced day day. it you experienced mm -hmm. it and you know and now you've got yeah perspective i love it i love you i'm grateful for you i'm now i'm making you reach out to chris on my behalf so he can do this with us and because we need to keep him sober we don't want him to be more sober than you but we, no, need, to keep him busy. we need to keep him sober for sure yes. thank you so so much i will hopefully see you on monday night because i want to join big book again carly all the info's in that uh in that okay i'm coming party. back see thank you, you there. so much have an awesome night you too thanks bye-bye well. love thanks. you love you for any listeners who would like to get deeper insight into my story i just released my memoir seconds and inches it was a dream of mine for decades to write my memoir, and while I do not believe in mixing money in AA, I just wanted to share with the world that I did this accomplishment, and it can be found wherever you normally purchase books, paperback, audio, or digital. I wish you an awesome day. Thank you.